Very thankful for everyone's attendance today. It's great to be together to remember our Lord's sacrifice, as we have done with partaking of the Lord's Supper on the day that He rose from the dead, on the first day of the week. It's wonderful to remember that. Thank you for being here. I hope that you uh, can be back tonight at 5. Lord willing, we plan to talk about our enemy, the devil, and the way that he's described in the Bible and what he wants to do to us so that we can know more about uh, Satan and his plans for us and how we can avoid uh, that. I hope you'll make plans to be back here at 5. If you're visiting with us this morning, thank you for taking time to be here. Uh, We're committed to just doing what the Bible says and worshiping God the way that uh, we read about first century Christians worshiping God. And we're committed to, to honoring God by following His instructions for us in our lives. And so if you have questions about what we believe, well, how we worship, um, we would welcome those questions. We're really glad that you're here and uh, that we hope that uh, today's uh, time spent together is, is encouraging to us all. Well, if you would turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11 uh, is the beginning of the last week of Jesus' life here on earth. Jesus in Mark 11 is going to come into Jerusalem for the last time. And he is going to then become uh, the target of the Jews who will ultimately crucify him, have him crucified on the cross at the hands of the Romans. As we begin in chapter 11 of Mark, this is on Sunday. Jesus, you'll remember, comes into Jerusalem as a triumphant king would, but a lowly and humble triumphant king who's riding on a donkey. He is vastly popular, popular by the, in, in the eyes of the common man. You remember as he goes into Jerusalem, they're throwing their coats in the road in front of him. They're cutting branches off of trees and putting them in front of him so he has a nice path into Jerusalem. They're shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're excited about Jesus being there. This is on Sunday. At the end of that day, he goes into, Jerusalem, into the temple and he looks around and then he leaves. On the next day, on Monday, he comes into Jerusalem as he is out, sleeps outside of Jerusalem. He comes back into Jerusalem and is, then he goes into the temple. If you'll begin reading with me in Mark chapter 11, verse 15. In Mark chapter 11, verse 15. So they came to Jerusalem, then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. Jesus was very angry with what was going on in the temple. And he casts them out, and he sets them straight. It's interesting that these are religious people who were serving God. And yet Jesus is very angry with how they were serving Him. He says their religion has become corrupted. Jesus wasn't just happy that they, well, they had a little religion in their life. That, the, that Jesus wasn't happy and wasn't just going to say, well, whatever they do, as long as they do it in the name of God, as long as they put God's name on it, we'll just take whatever they want to give us. No, Jesus wasn't happy. The temple, a den of thieves. Well, Jesus is obviously alluding to the passage that Joseph just read for us in Isaiah cha or Jeremiah chapter 7, verses 8 through 11. And from what Joseph read from us there, it's obvious 
that Jesus' reference here is, I think, to more than the fact that these money changers might have been ripping people off. They might have been charging an exorbitant fee for their money changing. They might have been charging too much for the doves that they were selling. That may be what Jesus is upset with, but I think he's upset with more than just that. The context of Jeremiah chapter 7 is the fact that they were living in a way that wasn't pleasing to God. And as a result, they were robbing God, I believe. They were robbing God. And today, I want to ask the question, could your church, could this church become a den of thieves? The Jews had turned the temple into a den of thieves in Jesus' words. And if we're not careful, this church, other churches, could become a den of thieves and could garner the same reaction that Jesus had to those religious people of those days. I want to tell you this morning, that we can rob God, we can be thieves, we can rob God if we are not careful about our worship. Many in the religious world today, I'm afraid, are worshiping themselves. We're worshiping ourselves, and I believe we're robbing God with the worship that He deserves. We live in a very self-centered time, in a very self-centered world, where life is all about me. What can I do for me? What do I want? What's in it for me? I believe this is probably uh, brought on in part from our prosperity. We have so much abundance. We have so much wealth, and yet we're still not happy. We thought that having more would make us happy, and we're still not. So what can I do? How can I use this wealth to somehow buy me happiness? It's all about me. I've all turned in on me. And social media has played right into this line of thinking. Now I can post about what I'm eating for dinner because everybody ought to be interested about me and what I'm doing. And I can post pictures of me on some exotic vacation so everybody can see what I'm doing and how I can go someplace. And we've got the selfie stick now so I can take pictures of myself because you want to see pictures of me. It's all about me. Me, me, me. And that is spilled over into our religion, I'm afraid. We look at our religion as in, what is in it for me? What do I want? What do I get out of this? What will make me happy? We are worshiping ourselves instead of worshiping God. Look at the religious world around us. So many people today are worshiping God, looking for an experience. Worship has to be entertaining. It has to evoke some type of feeling in me. And so we turn the lights down. We turn the speakers up. And our worship looks like a rock concert in many churches today. And the concert goes on, and once the concert is over, the preacher comes out, dressed in a t-shirt and jeans and maybe flip-flops, and he has an entertaining message with funny stories. And he preaches a sermon that's designed to make the audience feel good and tell them about what God wants for them, how He wants them to be highly successful in their career, and live in a nice subdivision with a beautiful, healthy family. It's all about me. It's about what I want. What do I get out of this? And everyone leaves the worship saying how wonderfully uplifting the service was. And it was uplifting. It uplifted the worshiper instead of the one who should be worshipped. We're worshiping ourselves many times if we're not careful. 
In Philippians chapter 3, beginning of verse 18. Philippians chapter 3, verse 18 says, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now I tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. There were people in the first century. There are people today. And sadly, we can be guilty of this, of putting the focus on us instead of focusing on God. And you might say, well, that would never be me. That wouldn't be the church that I'm a member of. I'd never do that. But do you gauge the worship service by how it made you feel or how it exalted God in Christ? Do you gauge the worship service by how much you liked it or how much God liked it and it followed the instructions that He gave about worship? Are you looking sermons for sermons that only make you feel good? Or are you looking for sermons that challenge you to be more like God wants you to be? Are we worshiping ourselves or are we worshiping God? In Malachi chapter 1, offering sacrifices to God, they were still religious, but God said He was robbing them, robbing Him. Look at Malachi chapter 1, beginning of verse 6. A son honors his father. And a servant his master. If I, then, if I then am a father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts, to you priests who despise my name? Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? These people were robbing God of what was his due. Now, they weren't dismissing religious, religion completely. They didn't say, we don't care anything about doing what God wants. We don't care about sacrificing. But they were robbing God because they were doing what they wanted to do. They were doing what made them happy. You see, when I have this beautiful lamb that is healthy and without spot, that's awful nice. Giving that to God sort of makes me sad. What I'd rather do is give God my refuse, my seconds, my leftovers. And when I do that, when I give Him what I want, who am I worshiping and honoring? I'm honoring me, I'm not honoring God. When we worship ourselves, when we do what we want... We become, I believe, a church that is a den of thieves. Closely related to this, I want to tell you that we can become a church that is a den of thieves when we focus on the fleshly. Churches across the globe today are robbing, their, robbing God by putting their focus on the physical instead of the spiritual. Look up any number of churches around on the Internet. And you can quickly see what is their focus. Many today are focusing on the physical rather than the spiritual. You know, you go to these websites and the first thing you see are these scrolling pictures. And the pictures aren't of people with their Bibles open, studying and taking notes. The pictures aren't about a, a guy standing in front of a group discussing the Bible. What are the pictures about? The pictures are about people doing fun things having a carnival. 
The pictures are about the, the kids doing fun activities. The focus is on the physical, not on the spiritual. And yet God wants us to be focused on the spiritual. And you look at the things that are being promoted, taking kids to camps and to the preschools and the daycares, and the youth groups that are taking kids to camps and to lock-ins at the arcade, and the dinners and the family fun, and the senior trips to places of where there's sun-filled destinations. And we have the basketball teams and the softball teams, and it goes on and on. Churches have changed their focus from the spiritual to the fleshly. And I do that when I'm looking for a church. Maybe we're going to be on vacation and I'm looking for some place to worship. I like to go out to their Facebook page and see what they're promoting on their Facebook page. And I see a lot of churches with no information about the spiritual on their Facebook page. It's about the pictures of some type of outing that they took or the kids tie-dyeing shirts for vacation Bible school, for the fun and the games. And yet God says that the church needs to be focused on spiritual things. We ought to have fun and games. We ought to do fun things with the kids. We ought to take them to the arcades. And if we're seniors, we ought to go to those sun-filled destinations. Grant and Janie are getting ready to do that. We ought to do that, but that's the function of the home, not the church. And when we get the church in that business, we rob God of what is His. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22, What have you not houses to eat and drink in, or despise you the church of God? And shame them that have not. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. We can despise the church of God. We can rob God of what the church needs to be focused on if we switch our focus from the spiritual to the physical. You might be thinking, well, not the church that I'm a member of. The church that I'm a member of, this church would never do something like that. Well, let me ask you, how do we go about edifying the body of Christ? When we see a need to grow spiritually, how do we do that? How do we go about the task of encouraging a brother or sister in their spiritual life? Do we go about that by saying, well, we need to go out and eat dinner. We need to get everybody over to play cards. We need to have a board game night. We need to have a family movie night. Is that what we do? Or do we say, well, we need to get back to the Bible? We need to make sure that we understand our approach and our focus. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, or the pure milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. I tell you, brethren, we can rob God if we begin to worship ourselves we begin to focus on the fleshly instead of the spiritually. We can rob God. And we can rob God by not honoring the authority of Christ. When we do what we want to do, we're robbing God. When we focus on what we want, on our physical desires, we are robbing God. And all of this gets down to the fact that we're not honoring the authority of Christ. We're robbing Him of the position that He deserves in our lives. Luke 6, verse 46 says, Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Christ must be Lord of our lives. He must be our ruler. He must be in control if we're going to be pleasing to Him. And if He is the ruler of our life, if He is the Lord of our life, then that means He has authority over how I live my life. I'm not in the driver's seat anymore. 
He is. I have to honor His authority. And when I do what seems good to me, when I do what I want, when I do what I think is right, when I just go by my thinking and my feeling and my desires, I have robbed Him of the position that He demands for my life. I've taken Him off of the throne and I put myself on the throne when I'm doing what I want. I have to submit to Him. I have to submit him to Him in every aspect of my life. And in the church, I have to do this as well. The, church, the church's re- responsibility is that God must be the, in control, that Jesus must be the head. And there are churches all around us, and we can be guilty of this if we're not submitting to His authority. Colossians 2, verses 18 and 19. Let no one cheat you of your reward. In voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind and not holding the head, from which all the body by joints and bands having uh, nourishment ministered and knitted together increases with the knowledge of God. We have to submit. We have to submit to our head. We have to submit to Christ. God and Christ are in charge. And that is the position that they demand in our lives. And we've got to be committed to this. We've got to be committed to serving God the way that He wants us to serve Him. There are many, though, in the religious world today, and sadly we can do this as well, of doing what we want to do. Being lifted up in our pride and doing what we want to do and not doing what God wants to do. We've got to make sure that we're honoring the authority of Christ. And finally, the sins of thieves. This church, churches all around us, can become dens of thieves if we fail to give God what He deserves. When we fail to make the sacrifices that God has called upon us to make, we're robbing Him. Do we understand that God has called us to live a life of sacrifice and service to Him? Sacrifice means that we're going to have to do some things that aren't fun. Sacrifice means we're going to have to exert effort. And that's not a popular idea in the world around us today. If you doubt that, go to a gym. Gyms that were really crowded on January 1st are not nearly as crowded just a few weeks after January 1st because people who had great intentions of getting healthy and losing weight soon learned that there was sacrifice involved in that. And we don't want any of that. Sacrifice is not popular. And it's not popular in the religious world either. Yet God expects it. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans 12, beginning verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God expects us to live a life of sacrifice. I can't live like the world and be pleasing to God. The world is following the direction of Satan. I have to follow the direction of Christ. He has to be my authority. I have to live as he lived. I've got to be different than the world. And yet churches 
are failing to demand that we live pure lives. This church, if we're not careful, can follow that, those, that path and soften our teaching of what God expects. But God expects that His people are going to be different than all of the wicked people around us. And this church can become a den of thieves if we begin to soft-pedal that teaching and we begin to compromise and we begin to sort of soften on the idea that we're going to have to live lives of service and sacrifice to God, that we're going to have to be different, that we're going to have to live a life that is a living sacrifice. We're going to have to be different. We're going to have to be devoted to God. We're going to have to take direction from God on how to live pure lives, how to sacrifice of ourselves for our families, how to sacrifice in order to spread the gospel. We've got to make sure that we're not robbing God. People in the Old Testament weren't sacrificing like they should, and God saw it. And I want to tell you, God sees it today. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, Will a man rob God? You robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. God had expected His people in the Old Testament to make sacrifices, and they weren't doing it. Now, they were offering some, but not the way that they were supposed to. And you better believe that God saw it and He wasn't happy with it. And God expects us to be making sacrifices today. And we can make some sacrifices, but when we're not living the pure life that's devoted to Him, you better believe that He sees it and He's not happy with it. We've got to make sure that this church does not become a den of thieves by shifting the focus towards me and what I want by focusing on fleshly desires instead of spiritual ones, by not honoring the authority of Christ and not giving God what He deserves. A den of thieves. Jesus said the temple had become a den of thieves. You know what a den is? A den is where animals gather and feel safety. They gather together in those dens, and there's a sense of security in that den. Security in numbers. And so it is with churches today. We look at the people around us and we just sort of move together. And there's a sense of safety in that number. Well, look at us. We're all together doing this rather than checking to make sure that we're doing what God wants us to do. We've got to make sure that we don't become a den of thieves. Would you turn back in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 7? I want to tell you that God doesn't take robbing Him lightly. Robbing God is a very serious matter. When we don't give Him what He deserves, He notices us. And I'm afraid we fail to forget that He'll punish us if we don't give Him what He deserves. Jeremiah chapter 7, beginning in verse 8. Jeremiah 7, beginning in verse 8. Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know? All these abominations. And before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered to do all these abominations. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, says the Lord. Jesus is referring to this passage 
where God sees that they're not serving him like they should, that it's become a den of thieves. But Jesus, I believe, in referring to this passage, is also referring to what comes after it. Look at verse 12. But now go to my place, which is in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first, and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. And now because you have done all these works, says the Lord, and I spoke to you, rising up early and speaking, but you did not hear, and I called you, but you did not answer. Therefore, I will do to the house which is called by my name, in which you trust, and to this place which I gave you and your fathers, as I have done to Shiloh. God said, you know, I've punished people in the past for not living for me. He says, I'm going to do it again. And by Jesus referring the Jews back to this passage, in the midst of all the wickedness that they were involved in, Jesus was condemning them, saying, God's going to punish you for this. And he did, didn't he, in 70 AD when he destroyed that temple. And the message is for us today. If we allow this church or we allow our lives to become a den of thieves, God will judge us for this. We've got to make sure that we're committed to serving Him, to living for Him in every area of our life. What about you this morning? Are you making sacrifices for God? God has not told us to make sacrifices because He wants us to be miserable. He knows it's going to mess up our lives. No, He's told us to make sacrifices, to give Him what He deserves, because He wants what's best for us. And what's best for me is not me worshiping myself, not worshiping my desires. What's best for me is putting Him on His throne and letting Him have control of my life so that I can be what He wants me to be. If you're not living like you should this morning, you're not a Christian, there's no better time than to become one right now. And if you're here a Christian not living as you should, would you make correction to that before it's too late? Can we help you? Would you let us know while we stand and sing?